Amen. Well, join me tonight in the book of Philippians chapter 2. Now, I was not supposed to be here tonight, but uh, some things changed with our travel plans. And uh, after looking at the weather, they're getting up there. It's probably a good thing that our travel plans change. But uh, Philippians chapter 2, we want to continue. I've got two more messages in this series, What Christmas Really Means. And uh, we want to deal tonight with uh, what is called in Christian theology, uh, kenosis, the kenosis of Christ, K-E-N-O-S-I-S, the kenosis of Christ. The kenosis of Christ is uh, referred to in theological circles as the renunciation, at least in part, uh, by Christ of his deity. Well, he didn't really renounce his deity. Uh, He emptied himself of it. But nonetheless, uh, that's what, how it's referred to. Uh, the origin of that word, kenosis, K-E-N-O-S-I-S, is an emptying, an emptying or to empty. Literally, it means emptied himself. And some of the verses that we're going to read tonight go right along those lines. But what we'll touch on tonight is uh, pretty pretty in-depth is the humility of Christ. And what did it take? What did it take for him to do uh, what he did? Uh, I was ministering, uh, recording today the, the Sunday morning service for the Kansas church, and we were talking about what it took for Christ to do what he did. Uh, we have to understand why Christmas is a big deal. And, you know, about this time of year, you hear, I, you, you hear ministers saying, look, don't get wrapped up in the retail side of things, and it's not about gifts, and it's not about trees, and, and then they'll make a statement, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, he is the reason for the season, and I agree with that, but why is there a season, <laughs> right? And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it begins here, it says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. All right? Now, very often that's on a a believer's confession list. I confess that the mind that was in Christ is my mind. I allow this mind that was in Christ to be in me. That's true, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. But notice right here, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, colon. He hasn't stopped. Who, being in the form of God, and we talked about that word form, it means, in the Greek, it means outward expression, exact outward expression, and it also means inward, 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 he looked like God too. Being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Notice, colon, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of of a servant outward looked just like a man inward was a man all God all man and being found in fashion as a man uh, well after in the likeness of men colon and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross all right so notice he says the mind that needs to be in you is the mind that was in Christ. And the mind that was in Christ is he made himself of no reputation and he humbled himself. That's the mind that was in Christ. All right. The, the uh, Weist Bible says being found in outward guise as a man, he stooped very low having become obedient to God the Father to the extent of death, even such a death as that upon a cross. So what we see here, first off, is obedience is humility. To be obedient, you have to be humble. All right? Disobedience is pride. Obedience is humility. So when you teach a child to be obedient, you're teaching them to be humble. You're teaching them to receive instruction 
from someone else. And so the Bible says that Jesus became obedient and humbled himself. The Phillips translation says, and having become man, he humbled himself by living a life of utter obedience. A life of utter obedience, even to the extent of dying, and the death he died was the death of a common criminal. So, do you see this? Having become man, he humbled himself by living a life of utter obedience. So, Right off, we can see Christmas is about so much more than just the baby in the manger. All right? Obviously, that's crucial. But Christmas is about why Jesus was willing to become a man. Why was he willing to become a human? And one of the most simple answers is so he could give his life for the sins of humanity. But right here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, we see something. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He made himself of no reputation. He never promoted himself. Jesus took no credit for any of the works he did ever. None of them. He said, my father in me, he does the works. All right, the book of Isaiah said that when you saw him, there would be nothing that would make you uh, uh, look at him and think, wow, isn't he something? And it said that he, would, that he would not utter his voice in the streets and a smoking flax and a burning reed he would not break. In other words, he's not going to talk about himself, right? He's, he's coming into the earth. He's not making himself of, a re, of reputation. He's going to go do the works of the Father. Amen. When you look at Jesus and you think about Jesus, there were times, the Bible says, entire cities came out to hear him. It, the, the word in, in Matthew that's commonly used is multitude. And the Greek uh, rendering for multitude is an innumerable amount. They couldn't count the people that came to Jesus. There were times it says the entire region of Tyre and Sidon came out to hear Jesus. And it says they brought their sick. And as they heard what he was saying, that he healed them all with his word. Yet he never promoted himself. He never walked around talking about himself as the miracle worker. He humbled himself he made himself of no reputation he didn't go through town talking about his meetings talking about what he was going to do it didn't bother jesus that that people were not looking at him and making much of him more often than not he withdrew himself the bible says from the crowds Herod came to him. Herod sent word and said, I want an audience with you. And you remember what Jesus said? He said, you go tell that fox, Herod, I'm going to do great works today, and I'm going to do great works tomorrow, and I'm going to get out of here on the third day. In other words, I do not have time to come and seek an audience with the king. I got kingdom business. If you are not humble, that's going to exaggerate your 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 uh, idea of how important you are, and you're going to go want to go meet with the king because of how important you are. Jesus made himself of no reputation. He, di he didn't go around seeking the spotlight. And, and, you know, I think we know that, but when he humbled himself and emptied himself and became a man, one translation says he poured himself out to fill a vessel brand new, a servant in form, a man indeed, the very likeness of humanity. Hallelujah. John 1.14 says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Weiss Bible says that the word entering a new mode of existence became flesh. Yet John 1 says the Word was with God and the Word was God. So John 1.14, God became flesh. But He emptied Himself. All of God, all man, emptied Himself of the rights and the privileges. It's, it's so interesting when, when, when you look at that. 
Jesus didn't think it made him less God to become a man. He didn't think, I got to hold on to my deity. I got to hold on to my God-likeness so that people will know who I am. He, he let all that go and became a man and didn't think it made him any less. Hallelujah. He didn't feel that if people didn't see him as God, he was somehow less. Hallelujah. Because to become a man... He had to let go of all the rights and the privileges that were rightfully his. Hallelujah. See, and if I'm going to let this mind be in me that was in Christ, when nobody cares who gets the credit, the job gets done. When nobody cares who gets seen or who gets heard, then the job gets done. Je- right? Jesus didn't Je- Jesus so was so unconcerned about who got the credit that first of all, he gave authority and power to the 12 to go and minister. Then he gave authority and power to the 70 and sent them out. And now his works are being duplicated and tripled. And, and Jesus, Jesus never once said, now look boys, you can't go do everything I'm doing. Now I'm still talking about Christmas. You can't go do everything I'm doing. He said, no, I'm giving you the same authority. I'm giving you the same power. And you go cast out devils. You go heal the sick. You go raise the dead. Amen. Do you see that? He didn't just look like a man. He became a man. And you have to remember that this was totally voluntary on Jesus' part. It was completely voluntary. Hallelujah. The word, it says he humbled himself. It means to be lowly and to be willing to stoop to any measure that's needed. To be lowly and to be willing to stoop to any measure that's needed. Look here in the book of Matthew chapter 11. Hallelujah. And uh, we'll start here in verse 28. Notice Jesus said, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. This word meek, I am meek and lowly in heart, only used one time in the entire Bible. And it's right here concerning Jesus. One time. In the King James Version of the Bible. And it means gentle. It means humble. Come and learn of me. I'm humble. I'm gentle. And then he said, I'm humble. I'm gentle. I'm lowly in heart. Lowly in spirit. I'm humble. Notice notice the outstanding characteristics of Jesus. What What he... Uh, thought was important to mention of himself. I'm humble. I'm gentle. Hallelujah. In other words, I'm not, he's saying, I'm not lifted up in myself. I'm not lifted up in my heart. The the BBE translation says, uh, uh, concerning Jesus, that he was all about the Father's pleasure. So he was willing to stoop to any measure needed to complete the plan of God. Now notice the plan. It was the plan of God that he was focused on. Not him. Not himself. The plan of God. Hallelujah. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. The plan of God. And whatever the plan is, whether it's the the plan for a ministry, the plan of God for your own life, it requires humility because I got to humble myself and become obedient to his plan. Hallelujah. 
you know, in reality as a Christian, I can't just do whatever I want. You know, I'll, I'll, hear, I'll hear parents, they'll tell their kids, now baby, you can, you can be whatever you want to be. Not be a Christian. It's got to be about the plan of God. And Jesus, notice Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5, he says, Wherefore, when he, Jesus, cometh into the world, he said to the Father, Sacrifice and offering you would not, but a body you prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you've had no pleasure. Then said I, then said Jesus, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it's written to me, to do your will, O God. Now, in the volume of the book, it's written of me as a parenthetical statement. It's there for clarification. It was there by the Holy Spirit, but nonetheless, it's there for clarification. This is what Jesus said. Then said I, lo, I come to do your will, O God. I come to do your will. So, in, in one sentence, he outlines why he came into the earth. To do the will of God. To, to fulfill the plan of God. He knew from the very beginning what the plan of God was, and he said, I am come to do your will. Hallelujah. I'm come to do your will. That's how it's rendered in almost every version that you read. I am come to do your will. You know, that, 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 that speaks of a person, that, that, that speaks to their humility if they'll look and they'll say, look, I'm, I'm here to do what you want. I, I come to do your will. See, his obedience was not to death. His obedience was to the plan of the Father that included death. Scripture says he became, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. But he first became obedient to the plan. The plan of God was the first thing that he was obedient to, which included his death. Hallelujah. Part of humility is not always doing what you want. What about me? Right? I've, I've counseled people before and they say, I just want to know when somebody's going to care about me. What about me? What about how I feel? Well, I mean, I, I understand that people get hurt and you, people shouldn't hurt other people. But when that becomes the focus, then it becomes all about fixing me and I can't help anybody else. Jesus could not come into the earth and be concerned about what he was going to lose, or what he had put aside, or what people thought. He had to stay focused on the plan. Christmas, the Christmas season, is about the plan of God getting into the earth, and Jesus being uh, submitted to that plan, and being willing to go to whatever lengths it took to fulfill the plan of God in the earth. Hallelujah. Do you see that? So part of humility is not always doing what you want. Hallelujah. Or getting, getting the attention. The word obedient tells us that Jesus was not looking forward to the cross. All right, we, re we read about him in the, book, in the Garden of Gethsemane. We won't take the time to go there. And, uh, you know... Uh, uh, over the years, you've even had people say that, you know, Jesus was recoiling from the cross. Well, but here's the thing. Jesus never even thought about being disobedient to the plan of God. All right? In the, in the garden, he's having to pull his humanity under the, under the power of his spirit. And, and it took him three times to do it. He prayed about it three times. But after he got up that third time, all, all, the, all the struggle was gone. It was gone. See, that's good news for you and I. If we stay committed to the plan of God, we'll get to the place where we overcome that barrier. We overcome that issue. Amen. 
and it smooths out. Glory to God. Look here at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse uh, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. When I was looking at this, I saw something. He endured the cross, despising the shame. That word despising, it means to think little or nothing of. So Jesus spent very little time or no time thinking about the shame of the cross. The, the shame of the cross. See, the, the Jews did not crucify people. All right? The Jews stoned people and then hung them on a tree. They didn't crucify people. That in, in, in the Jewish law, you could not leave the corpse on the tree past sundown. The Jews' method of execution was stoning. And then they hung the body on the tree because they were a criminal or they were a lawbreaker. All right? The, the Romans came up with crucifixion. They, they crucified the criminals. They crucified the, the uh, uh, people that usurped the authority of Rome. When Jesus died on the cross, Pilate wrote over his head and his, on, on his placard, he wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And remember that the, the, the religious leaders say, no, but he said he was the King of the Jews. He said, what I've written, I've written. Well, he had to die as what he was. He was the literal, physical king of the Jews. Matthew chapter 1 tells us that this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of David. And when you read on down through Matthew, it says it gets to Joseph, his earthly father, and it puts him, it says, Joseph was of the house and of the lineage of David. Jesus was Joseph's legal child, not his natural fleshly child, but he was his legal child. And by being Joseph's legal child, he was a legal heir to the throne of the king of King David. That's why the Bible says that God told Mary, I will give him the throne of his father, David. Hallelujah. So he died as what he was. But think about the humility. I'm the king of the Jews. He knew that he was literally, physically, the, the physical heir of that throne. And yet he submitted himself to the cross and died the death of a criminal. And watch, thought little or nothing of it. Hallelujah. Thought little or nothing of it. Why? The plan. The plan. The plan thought little or nothing of it, despising. Then it says the shame, despising the shame. That word shame is dishonor or disgrace. He thought little or nothing of the dishonor or the disgrace that hanging on a cross would bring. I mean, think about that. King of the Jews, perfect son of God, never sinned, and you're hanging between two thieves. Hallelujah. So in other words, they're saying you're no better than a common thief. As a matter of fact, you're worse than a common thief. You claim to be king. And he thought nothing of that. It was prophesied that they were going to pull his beard out. It was prophesied that they were going to spit in his face. It was, crucified. it was prophesied that he was going to be pierced in his hands and in his feet. It was prophesied that he would come to his own and his own would not receive him. They would reject him and call him a blasphemer and say he was not of God. Jesus thought little or nothing of that. Hallelujah. All you got to do to get somebody to quit the plan of God is say something ugly about them. Just say something ugly. 
Oh, it's too much persecution. Amen. Jesus thought little or nothing of that. That's why he could be the ultimate gift. Now, this was something he had to come into the earth with. Isn't it interesting? Remember when Jesus was 12 years old? He's in the temple. And the Bible says he's asking questions. And you know, what, what a lot of people do is, is they think he was asking questions to get an answer. He was asking questions to see if they could answer. That was the mode of learning. He's 12 years old teaching the religious leaders. His mother comes and says, where were you at? Didn't you know your father and I would worry about you? And he said, Don't you know, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? At 12 years old, the plan. At 12 years old, he's focused on the plan. But then it says that his mother and father took him, and what's it say? That he went home and submitted himself to them and grew in grace and favor with God and man. That, that is what God wanted us to see. People say, why don't we see anything about Jesus' life from 12 to 30? We just saw it. He was submitted to his mother and father, and in that time period, he was growing in grace and favor. God didn't, we don't need to know what happened between 12 and 30. What was important was at 12 years old, he knew the plan. At 30 years old, he came on scene all the righteous requirements were fulfilled in the Jordan River when he was baptized by the heir to the priesthood, John the Baptist. And he was baptized in the Jordan River. Holy Spirit came upon him and he said, Now I'm ready. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And his ministry started from that point on. It was, it was birthed in humility. It operated in humility. And it ended in humility. Hallelujah. Do you see that? So we see that he was humble. He submitted himself to his mother and father. Hallelujah. I don't know how much humility that would take. Right? You know, I, I know there are people who say Jesus never did anything wrong. He never disobeyed his parents. I have no doubt that he did not. But I do know they, they had to instruct him about something. <laughs> and he took it. Hallelujah. Do you, do you see that? I mean, think about this. Think about Jesus' humility. His own family did not believe in him until after he was raised from the dead. All but his mama. And she even got upset with him. Remember Jesus is preaching, teaching, and the house is full. Mama and them can't get in. They didn't have reserved seats. And they came, remember what they said? Your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside. They want to talk to you. What did he say? It says he took his hand and went like this and said, Who are my mother and my brother and my sisters? But those that hear the word and do it. Is that right? What is that? Humility to what? The plan. In other words, at some point, what ceases to be important is what you think and what becomes more important is what God thinks. Amen. His brothers looked at him one day and said, if you're who you say you are, then come up to the feast and do some miracles. And Jesus said, if I want to go to the feast, I'll go. If I don't, I won't. But what humility did that take? Stand back, I'll show you. Wah! Right? See that bald man? Hair grow! <laughs> Boom! Hallelujah. Chia head. No. He didn't do that. Remember, remember am, am I helping you with this? Remember many times people would come to him for, the, the man came to him, uh, 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 the, the, the ruler came to him and said, Lord, come to my house. My son's sick. And Jesus said, that's the problem. You won't believe unless you see something. 
So do you see? He wasn't just wanting to go work miracles to prove who he was. And the man said, Lord, help me. Come down to my house ere my child die. And Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. Now think about that. If he wanted to make much of himself, this is a courtier in the king's court. He'd have went with him. He'd just go your way, your son lives. Turned around and walked off. The man, the man went all day that day and spent the night and then got up the next morning and went to his house and the servants met him and said, your son lives. And he said, what time did he start getting better? They said, yesterday at 1 o'clock, and he brought to mind, that's when Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. My point is, if Jesus was about himself, if Jesus wanted to make much of himself, he'd have went and drew the crowd and done it in front of everybody. We see the same situation with the centurion. The centurion said, Lord, don't come to my house. I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. And Jesus said, I've never found such great faith in Israel. It was, it was all about the plan, not the shame. The plan. Amen. So to humble himself to such an extent took deliberate obedience on the part of Jesus. In fact, Jesus could only endure the shame by staying focused on the results that would follow. That's why he was the perfect gift. He thought little or nothing of the shame and disgrace because he was focused on us. The joy that was set before him. Well, what was the joy that was set before him? The joy that was set before him was bringing many sons to salvation. Hallelujah. See, that's why when it comes time to witness about our faith, we think little or nothing of the shame of what people may think because Jesus thought little or nothing of the shame of being crucified as a common criminal. And that's why he would tell his followers, he would say, let your light shine. You're a city on the hill. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. Nobody buys a candle to put it under a basket. He said, let your light shine so that people will see your good works. And watch, glorify your Father which is in heaven. They'll see the good works in you and they'll glorify God. They'll see the house you live in and they'll glorify God. They'll see the car you drive and they'll glorify God. They'll see the blessing in your life and they'll glorify God. Not you, they'll glorify God. Hallelujah. Jesus was about bringing glory to the Father. That's, that's what he said in John 17. Now Father, I've glorified you on the earth. Now glorify yourself. Be glorified in me. Isn't that interesting? That Jesus never said glorify me. He said glorify yourself. Through what I'm about to do. I'm about to die. I'm about to give my life. I'm going to be buried. And I'm going to be resurrected. And Father get yourself glory. Out of what I'm doing. Woo hallelujah. Now let's go back to Philippians 2. And verse 8. We read it earlier, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The, the, the word even here, it's an emphatic word in the Greek. It's an emphatic even. It's the same, it's the same type, type context we have in John 10 when Jesus said, the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. And then he says, but I, that, that phrase, but I in the Greek, it's emphatic. He's saying, this is what the thief does, but I, this is why I came. All right? In other words, it's like he's standing up and going, but look, look, this is why I came. This is what the thief does, but this is why I came. Stay focused on why I came. Right? Same, same, same idea. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even, emphatic, even the death of the cross. The, the reader in Paul's day would have known 
what the death of the cro- on the cross would have entailed and who it was reserved for. Nobody, nobody that was a, a let me say it the, uh, the easiest way I know, nobody that was a good, moral, upstanding person died on a cross. Even though Jesus was perfect. But in the eyes of people, he was either a lunatic, a liar, or a devil. I mean, think about that. You're the son of God. And your own people look at you and say, you got a devil. You're a blasphemer. They accuse him of being illegitimate. The son of God. Humility. Humility. Remember they said, they said, they said, they said, uh, 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 we're Abraham's seed. And you remember what Jesus said? God can raise up, God can raise up children to Abraham from these stones. He's going in into the city and they're laying palm branches down. Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Right? Fulfilling the prophecy in Zechariah. Behold, your king comes riding on a foal, the, 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 the foal of a donkey, right? Your king, and here he is, he's fulfilling that. And the people that knew the scriptures, the people that should have known the scriptures, looked at him and said, tell your followers to be quiet. And Jesus said, if they don't cry out, the rocks and the mountains will cry out. The rocks and this, the stones will cry out. And they tried, says they tried to pick up stones and kill him. He just fulfilled the prophecy. I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to point out, do you realize the humility it took? You know, Jesus did not cleanse the temple because he was angry. He cleansed the temple because of the dishonor that what they were doing was bringing to God. It wasn't about Jesus. It was about God. He cleansed the temple and they tried to kill him. Hallelujah. So he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So the Greek carries the idea, can you imagine it? That's the idea. Can you imagine that he humbled himself to such a lowly position that he became so obedient, he stooped low enough to die the miserable death of a criminal on the cross? That was his humility. You know, Jesus was born in a manger because they didn't make reservations. Not because he was poor. He wasn't humble because he was poor. He was born in a manger because Mary and Joseph didn't have a room. It takes more humility to have everything you need and still care about other people than it does to have nothing. You understand why I'm saying that? Jesus had every need met. He had people supporting his ministry. Yet he humbled himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In uh, Deuteronomy 21 and 23. Hallelujah. Talking about a person that uh, has been hung on a tree. It says, His body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged, meaning on the tree, is accursed of God. Now this is important. It means the curse of God is come upon him. Jesus died as a criminal, taking the curse upon himself for us. This is important as it speaks to his humility. He when you think of the phrases that we use, and sometimes they get lost on us, he became sin who knew no sin. He became sin. 
How is it that he could become sin? Humbled himself. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us. So that we, right, might walk in the blessing of Abraham. He became a curse. That's what Galatians 3.13 says. So the, the baby, that baby was God in the flesh. He was born to die for you and me. And he was so willing to do whatever it took to redeem mankind from, from, from sin and from Satan that he humbled himself. That, that's what it took to redeem us. His humility. It was the precious blood. It was the precious blood of a humble Savior. It took His humility to die even to the point of dying on the cross. That's what Christmas really means. Is that He humbled Himself and died. Hallelujah. And when, when, when we make that our focus, then nothing becomes about me. The Bible says that Jesus humbled himself even to the point of death. And then the next verse says, wherefore, because of that, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. So he humbled himself to the lowest level and God exalted him to the highest level. And we see that same verbiage in the book of Peter. It's, uh, he says, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due season. I, I want to encourage you. You know, Second Peter chapter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, uh, it talks about very often we pluck that one verse out of its setting. You know, uh, casting all of your care upon him because he cares for you. But I, I, I want you to see something here. Because it says, first of all, verse 6, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Colon, not period. How, how do I do this? How, what is evidence that I am humbling myself before under the mighty hand of God? Casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. One of the greatest acts of humility that you will ever enter into is when you take everything, not, not just your care and your worries, that's the focus we, we come upon. Everything that you, has to do with you and you cast it onto Him because He cares for you. Look at uh, Psalm 37. I'm... I'm uh, about two minutes, we'll be done. This, this is another one that, that we read, but I want you to see the, the focus here. Verse 5. Commit your way unto the Lord. That, that word commit, it means roll your way. Roll, roll your plans. Roll your life onto the Lord. Notice, trust also in Him. Now here's humility. I'm committing my way to Him. Now I'm trusting in Him. And notice this, and He will bring it to pass. Not me will bring it to pass. He will bring it to pass. One of the hardest things in the plan of God is this, and, and I'll wrap this, this teaching up with this. God will ask someone to do something, and I've seen this. I've learned this lesson over this, these many years. God will ask somebody to do something, and immediately they'll start looking at what it's going to cost to do it. Trust in Him, and He will bring it to pass. Willie George told a story one time, so blessed me. He said uh, he was a 
children's pastor at a little church in West Texas. He pastored children at his uncle's church. It was his mother's brother. And uh, uh, Willie had, Pastor Willie had been kicked out of his dad's house because his dad told him, he said, you're going to church too much. You can't, you can't go to church. And he told his dad, he said, Dad, he said, the whole time I've been living with you, he said, you've come home and caught me in parties. I mean, I've driven home drunk. You know I've been drunk. And you never, never told me I couldn't drive the car. You never t- tried to take my car from me. He said, now I'm saved. I'm living for God. And he said, not, well, I don't care. He said, that's just the way it is. Uh, if you're going to drive the car and live here, you're not going to go to church. And he said, well, I'm not going to live here and drive the car then. Gave him his car keys and left. Walked, walked something like 20 miles to his pastor's house in the rain. Went and pastor prayed with him and he went back to his mother's house. His mother was addicted to prescription drugs. And he started living with her until he graduated high school. After he got out of high school, his uncle took him and John, John George that ministered here, took them in. And, and uh, John George told me that uh, his, uh, their uncle would give him a Brother Hagen book saying, you've got to read this entire book before dinner or you don't get to eat. And so anyway, now we don't want to do that. But here's my point. Is so he's pastoring in that church, pastoring the, the children, running the bus kids, and he goes to a conference in Tulsa. It, the, the conference was Faith Christian Fellowship, but in Pat Harrison. And, and he went there, and there were just thousands of people there from all over America and, and, and foreign countries. And he's sitting there, and the Lord said to him, the Lord said, all of these ministers are going to teach from your curriculum in their churches. They're going to teach, their, their children are going to learn from your curriculum. And he said, I said, okay, Lord. And now watch. He said, and immediately I went out and I contacted a publisher. And he said, I found out to publish my curriculum is going to be $20,000. And he said, that really wasn't what it was. It's going to be $50,000. He said, I'm glad I didn't know that. But here's the thing. He said, immediately, I started trying to get the money. I'm saying this for somebody. He said, immediately, I went about trying to get the money. And he said, I would set up meetings with people that may be donors and wanted to give. He said, nobody would help me. And he said, I went to the Lord, and I was praying about it. And he said, the Lord asked me a question. He said, uh, are you ready to go to press? And he said, I said, Lord, no, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not ready to go to press. I was going to get the money and then get ready. And the Lord said, you get the curriculum ready to be published. And when it's ready to be published, I'll provide the money. Commit your way. Trust in him. He'll bring. That's that's humility. I can't do it. I know pastors right now tonight, they are pulling their hair out, trying to figure out how they're going to do what God wants them to do. They're missing it. God wants them to do it. If God wants them to do it, they commit themselves to what he wants. Trust in him. And he brings it to pass. Here's what I'm saying. That's what Jesus did. Jesus said, I come to do your will. And he trusted in him. We see that in the book of Psalm chapter 22. It says he trusted in God. And God said, and he said, you will not leave me in hell. You will not suffer me to see destruction. So whatever God's asking you to do, whatever God's moving on your heart to do, whatever God you think the plan of God for your life is, you got to commit it to Him. Then just rest. If you don't learn to rest, you'll stay in God's way. God just needs me to rest. I've come to this understanding. God doesn't care how much it costs. He just wants me to get the job done. I was praying one morning. I said, Lord, what about this? And, and Lord, what about that? And what would you have me to do here? And he said, he said very directly, the Lord's always nice to me. He's never mean. He never yells at me. But he's very direct. He said, Philip, just build the church. Just build the church. That was it. Well, that's good news to know all I got to do is build the church. 
I just got to build the people. I just got to preach, pray, and prophesy and do what I'm supposed to do. But it's committing your way to the Lord, then trusting in Him, and He'll bring it to pass. And if it's $1,000, $5,000, 50000 500000 God doesn't care. Just get the job done. That's what Christmas is all about. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up tonight, shall we? Praise the Lord. Good to see everybody tonight. Amen. With your happiest of happy faces. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? I'm grateful. I'm thankful. Thankful the Lord healed my daughter. Thankful that the Lord's keeping you, keeping your family. Hallelujah. Glory, isn't God good? Amen. Well, don't forget, of course, yes. Yes. <laughs> don't forget, as I was going to say, Sunday morning. Praise God. One service, 10 a.m. Hallelujah. Whether you say be, be there or be square. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But God's good to us. Amen. And we'll be here Sunday morning ministering the gospel. You don't want to miss it. Our kids are going to be performing for us on Sunday morning. Amen. I'm looking forward to that. And God is so good. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, till we see you here, there, in the air, keep the switch of faith turned on. Say it with me. The vision of our church is to build people's faith and frame their world by the word of God. You and I will always be world changers. God bless you.